0: Welcome to the Confluence Investment Management bi-weekly geopolitical report podcast for October 10th, 2022. The emergence of right-wing leaders in Great Britain and Italy adds a new layer of volatility and uncertainty to financial markets in Europe and around the world. Confluence market strategist Patrick Ferran Hernandez joins us today for analysis and advice for investors. Patrick, I know there are some notable differences in causes and effects, but between these events in Great Britain and Italy. But I'd like to begin by asking you to identify significant similarities and discuss where these separate political events fit in your broader outlook for a more divided world. Hi, Phil. First, thanks so
1: much for having me on the program. To answer your question, the key similarities are that both the new national leaders in Britain and Italy are from the relatively far right of their country's respective political spectrums, and both espouse a rather populist political philosophy. Those characteristics match what we've been highlighting in a lot of the developed world for several years now. They reflect the dissatisfaction that a lot of non-elites feel for the way the modern world has developed, with its big, powerful governments and corporations, the dominance of elites, and the economic and financial dislocations that have happened because of increased international trade and investment. That dissatisfaction has fed the increased power of right-wing populists like Prime Minister Trust in the UK and Georgia Maloney in Italy. As leaders like them take power, they're pushing back against globalization and are erecting new barriers to international trade, international investment, international migration. And they're pushing more toward isolationism and cultural protectionism, all of which is pushing the world farther toward fragmentation.
0: We'll circle back to broader themes later as we conclude, but for now, let's discuss each election separately. First, Great Britain. The new prime minister, Liz Truss, quickly instituted some fairly extreme tax cuts, which were not well received by the financial markets. What's your take on what happened?
1: Well, basically, the negative financial market reaction reflected a concern about outsized government borrowing, driven not just by the tax cuts, but also by the fact that they're coming at the same time as the government will be spending hundreds of billions of pounds on domestic energy subsidies. The result will be a huge increase in British government borrowing. But it's not so much that people are worried about the UK being able to pay its debts. We think it's more that people are worried that such borrowing will fuel inflation, will undermine the purchasing power of the pound, and will overwhelm the world's appetite for British debt. In a sense, it's a borrower's strike against British bonds that has driven up interest rates and driven down the value of the pound.
0: Truss has already reversed plans for a key part of her package, a plan to abolish the top income tax rate for high earners, but other parts of her plan remain. Do you have any confidence that her strategy, what remains of it, can stimulate the British economy? We're
1: pretty skeptical about it. For one thing, the tax cuts were pretty heavily weighted toward upper-income households, which are likely to increase their consumption spending relatively little in response to the tax cuts. At a time when the U.K. has recently severed many of its trade ties with the European Union, and when it's facing a likely energy crisis and recession, the wealthy households that are getting a tax windfall also may not hike their investment activity much. So it doesn't seem that the tax cuts would do much to improve Britain's dismal productivity growth rate. Along with deregulation initiatives, the tax cuts might help improve British economic growth over time, but they're not a game changer in the near term. Well,
0: has Truss already used up a, a good deal of her political capital? Yes,
1: and what little she had to begin with is rapidly diminishing as a result of the financial chaos she's touched off. Remember that Truss was merely selected by the membership of Britain's Conservative Party to replace former Prime Minister Johnson. She basically became the leader of the UK based on the votes of a few tens of thousands of Conservative Party members. The latest public opinion polls suggest that amid the financial market sell-offs after Truss's tax cut announcement... Announcement, the Conservatives are now trailing the opposition Labor Party by more than 30 percentage points. It's clear that she doesn't have very much support among the general British electorate, and now even a lot of Conservatives are questioning her leadership.
0: Patrick Truss is a supporter of Brexit and favors pursuing free trade deals with the United States and other countries. Is success likely given the increasing strength of the U.S. dollar?
1: You know, the whole idea of lucrative new free trade deals was a key argument for Brexit supporters. But even some of Trust's officials now admit that they're unlikely to happen. With anti-trade populists in the ascendancy in the U.S. and in other key developed countries, the Brits simply can't assume that those countries would acquiesce in opening their markets further to British goods, services, or investment. We think it's highly doubtful that Trust will be able to deliver big new trade deals that could spur increased British economic growth.
0: Well, the U.S. and Europe might be reassured by Truss's commitment to supporting Ukraine. Given Great Britain's economic challenges, how solid is that support? Well, luckily, that is
1: one trust promise that we suspect she can deliver on. She has strongly emphasized the importance of boosting Britain's investment in defense, to the point where she wants to increase British defense spending to 3% of gross domestic product by 2030. More likely than not, we think she can deliver on continued support for Ukraine and increased investment in Britain's military.
0: Turning to Italy, Georgia Maloney, the new prime minister, is a member of the Brothers of Italy party, which has been described as a neo fascist group. Should we think of her as some sort of dangerous radical? Well, Maloney certainly could
1: look unsettling to some people based on her lifelong participation in far-right politics and certain incendiary statements and policies she's espoused in the past. But we think that on balance, she's still pragmatic. For example, she judged that it would be politically bad to stand by Russian President Putin and his war against Ukraine. So she's made strong public commitments to continue supporting Ukraine. She's also backed on off some of her previous criticisms and proposals for undermining the EU. Make no doubt she's still pretty far right, but she responds to political constraints, and we think that'll keep her from straying too far from the mainstream, even if some of her coalition members will want to go further.
0: She's also stated her commitment to defend Ukraine, so I'll ask the same question here that I asked about trust. Just how solid is that support?
1: Well, remember that you can never be 100% sure what's going on in a politician's head. And, of course, her decisions could evolve over time. However, from the consistent support she's given to Ukraine so far, we judge that it's pretty reliable, at least for the time being.
0: Patrick Maloney has promised a re-examination of Italy's membership in the EU. What is her goal here? Well, I think a good way to put it is that she wants to change
1: the balance of power between Brussels and the member countries of the EU. One of the key things that animates Europe's right-wing populace is the sense that political power and decision-making has become too distant from them. That power and decision-making is way off in faraway Brussels, where the EU leaders aren't necessarily sensitive to Italians' needs and desires. Maloney has called for reopening discussions with the EU leadership on what powers should be left with the national governments. She's supported Poland and Hungary in their effort to enact policies that are at odds with central authorities at the EU. And she wants to to change the Italian constitution to clarify that Italian law takes precedence over EU law. She'll get plenty of pushback on those items from the EU, just like Poland and Hungary have, but that's what she'll likely try to do.
0: Well, is a breakaway from the EU a a legitimate possibility? You know, I'll,
1: I'll tell you, Phil, that I'm probably the least pessimistic person on our team regarding that uh, that kind of uh, possibility, based on my long experience working in Brussels at NATO headquarters and seeing how NATO and the EU operate. In essence, you have to remember that they're both geared at gluing Europe together and avoiding World War III. Well, now that Russia is threatening again, many people in Europe are probably even more attuned to the need for unity. Uh, of course, right-wing voters are relatively more skeptical and would prefer to take a more isolationist or nationalist tack, especially if there is a new economic crisis that makes the different countries fight each other for scarce resources. My view is that the more likely outcome will be increased pushback against the EU and efforts to roll back some of its powers, perhaps by stepping back from the euro. But at least right now, I'm not too worried about Italy trying to break out of the EU.
0: Similar to trusts, Maloney has also proposed tax cut and deregulation measures. How are the markets responding?
1: Well, here's where Italy's situation has been much better than the UK's. Of course, Maloney is still negotiating with other right wing parties to form a coalition government, so she's actually not prime minister yet, and that could be one reason for the market complacency. But I think the major reason is that Italy under Maloney will be operating with many more external constraints than the UK. For example, Italy has a much higher level of debt than the UK does, so the markets would like Likely force a certain discipline on Italy. Just as important, Italy has to follow certain EU fiscal rules that will likely constrain Maloney. And even if Italy tried to flaunt those rules, it would likely rely on the European Central Bank to calm the markets. Italy also needs to toe the line to some extent because it's in line for hundreds of billions of euros from the EU's Pandemic Relief Fund, and it won't want to endanger receiving those funds by reneging on promises of economic or fiscal reform. Those things may feel like constraints to Maloney,
0: but they're helping keep the markets calm regarding her policies. Patrick, let's return to the, to the broader implications of both political elections for investors. How likely are they to result in another round of rising inflation and slowing economies? Especially in the UK, we think the policies will
1: worsen inflation and the financial market disruptions we're already seeing will probably sap confidence and weigh on growth. The impact in Italy is likely to be less problematic so long as its policies remain relatively more constrained and mainstream. All the same, the situation in the UK and Italy are likely to make European inflation and economic growth worse than they otherwise would have been, in large part by
0: boosting uncertainty. And are these events another argument in favor of commodity investments? Well, for investors, we think that's one of the key
1: implications of all this. By unleashing more fiscal stimulus, keeping inflation high, and boosting interest rates, these policies will likely leave commodities as the one asset class most likely to benefit. We think these policies will continue to support commodity prices over the medium term, even though commodities will also face some downward pressure in the near term as economic growth slows. Are these events stimulative for the dollar? For now, they are, especially in the way that the UK tax cuts have created a buyer strike against British assets and driven down the pound versus the dollar. In addition, both in the UK and in Italy and the EU, the rising political uncertainty is likely to worsen the overall European recession that already appears to be starting. Those factors will likely maintain downward pressure on the pound and the euro. Now, over time, the resulting aggressive interest hikes in the UK and the EU could potentially make those currencies look more attractive, especially if they succeed in bringing down inflation and or the Fed starts cutting rates in the U.S. at some point. That situation could eventually lead to a weaker dollar, but we're not there yet.
0: Patrick, one more question and it's on the dollar. A rising dollar does help the U.S. on the inflation front. At what point, though, might a super strong dollar be a big problem for the U.S. economy?
1: Well, two of the main ways that the strong dollar could create blowback for the U.S. would be, first, if the strong dollar creates a financial crisis in other countries, especially emerging markets, that can't keep up with their debt payments in dollars. For example, that could hurt U.S. investors or financial institutions that own those debts. Another issue would be that the flip side of a strong dollar is that U.S. companies' foreign revenues in other currencies would look weaker, hurting their profitability. We've already started to see that popping up in the earnings reports, and we're likely to see more of it going forward.
0: Thank you, Patrick. It's time now to remind our listeners that our discussion today is based upon sources and data believed to be accurate and reliable. Opinions and forward-looking statements expressed are subject to change without notice. Also, this information does not constitute a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security. Our engineer is Dane Stoll. I'm Phil Adler.